what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello everyone and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. With me across the table, Christopher Fry. We are the co-directors of the Foot Candle Film Society here in Western North Carolina and also directors of the annual Foot Candle Film Festival, which we just wrapped up successfully, our ninth one, just uh, uh, about a week and a half ago, right? So Yes. That is right. I think I just woke up from the <laughs> festival being done. Sure. That was a long nine days of festival activities, but uh, but it was fun. And maybe we'll touch on that a little bit later and just kind of mention a little bit about the festival. But thank you to everybody who showed up yes. and came out and joined us for that that excellent week. But let's let's get to what we're talking about today for here for this show. And that is where we have our movie reviews of a new movie. And then we also have a little bit of movie news and recommendations to share with you. Today's movie review is going to be the latest from director Gareth Edwards. It is the film The Creator, which we'll be discussing in just a minute. And then, like I said, afterwards, I believe I've got some news to share. I want to talk about with some upcoming movie movie releases that I want to discuss. And Chris, you may even have a recommendation for us as a film you think we ought to check out. So yes. I'm I'm ready to get back into watching movies. I feel like after the festival, I kind of, after the festival, I'm always like for about a week or so, I'm like, I'm kind of burnt out. I don't hmm. want to watch any movies for a little bit. Sure. I'm back into it. So I need a recommendation. So hopefully you'll have one to share with us at the end of the show. Gotcha. Yeah. It's been two weeks. I know yeah. our audience has been clamoring like, where's the new episode? So. Yeah. Well, here we are. We're back and uh, you're welcome. <laughs> and uh, well, let's go ahead and get into our first uh, segment, which is our main review. It is the film, The Creator. When the war started, they protected me. Took better care of me than humans would have. They're not people, Maya. It's just programming. Ten years ago today, the artificial intelligence created to protect us detonated a nuclear warhead in Los Angeles. This is a fight for our very existence. Gareth Edwards made his feature film debut in 2010 with the indie Monsters. He then went on to direct 2014's Godzilla and the 2016 Star Wars prequel Rogue One. Now, seven years later, Edwards has returned with a film that takes place during a war between the human race and the forces of artificial intelligence. Joshua, played by John David Washington, is a hardened ex-Special Forces agent grieving the disappearance of his wife, who has been recruited to hunt down and kill the Creator, the elusive architect of the advanced AI, who has developed a weapon that is rumored to have the power to end the war and possibly mankind itself. Alan, I believe you'd been looking forward to this film since seeing the previews. What was your experience screening the film? Um... So, a couple of things on this. I'm going to go ahead and just lay it on out there. I really, really like this film. I had a really good time with this film. There are some issues we'll discuss later, but uh, overall, my general impression is I did like what this film was doing. Uh, we have a, a science fiction film that felt, that felt real, I guess is the best way I could give it. I think production design and the way it looked visually was was beautiful. I, I really enjoyed spending time in this this future reality, this world that's been created. Um, it's gotten some complaints from people I've seen online, not reading any other reviews, but just more like random posts people are making about it feeling derivative from other science fiction films. Yes, it does. Is that a bad thing? Not for me. I was fine with it. I think it took ideas from other films 
and use them to their best of their ability to serve the story. So I was fine. I still think there was enough originality to the film to, to make it interesting for me. Um, I like the story. I think the story worked for the most part, although the story did to me break down towards the end of the film, the latter half of the film, the latter third really started to kind of break apart for me. I think they were really trying to figure out a way to weave this story together and to come to a satisfying ending. And it didn't quite get there the way I'd hoped that I was led to believe the first two thirds of the film, but it was not that it was a bad ending. It just, I felt like it got very clunky and it got a little more overcomplicated than it needed to be story-wise. But overall, I really enjoyed the fact that it's an original science fiction film as far as story goes, not based on a franchise, not based on any kind of sequel situation, not any kind of pre-existing intellectual property. And that it was a, and that was an entertaining film and, and, and well done. I, I like John David Washington. I've always liked him since he's really become a, a leading man in some films. And I think he's really strong here. I like Gareth Edwards as a director. I mean, his, uh, his version of Godzilla from several years back is still one of my favorite iterations of, of that, that story. His rogue one, obviously many people, a lot of people have it are big fans of his work on the star Wars trilogy or uh, franchise. So again, I, I did like this quite a bit. I saw some nose wrinkling over across the table from me. So I'm looking forward to hearing you possibly counter me on some things and we will see where that goes. But otherwise I, I did enjoy this film. I can go into more details in a bit, but I want to hear your take first. The world building of the film is extremely successful and notable to me because as has been noted in the press and I'll do air quotes, it was made on the cheap, mm-hmm. so to speak, as compared with other big budget superhero movies that are happening. Um, and I'll say it looks as good or better than a lot of those. And I think that is the highlight and the strong point of the film is creating this world. It looks like, for example, quoting another non-superhero, but so, Dune. Mm-hmm. It has, in many instances, like a Dune-type portrayal of a world and vehicles and spaceships and everything. And it looks that good, but spent for a lot less money. So that to me is admirable. And I think that's the quality of the film that really stands out as opposed to something like the speed force toilet bowl from the flash that we reviewed, you know, a couple of months ago. So yeah, kudos to that. Um, also on board with John David Washington, you know, he's, he's solid. It's not a surprise. We've seen his black Klansman and tenant and stuff. I'm like, yeah, the guy, the guy's good. Um, another thing for me that was nice was Allison Janney plays a great villain. Unlike, mm-hmm. Um, the recent Blue Beetle movie where Susan mm. Sarandon was playing a female antagonist and she was just like, it wasn't believable. We kind of joked that we didn't even know she knew she was in that movie. Allison Janney is in this film and I think does a great, Oh yeah. A great job. Absolutely. Um, so that, that, that worked for me. Um, Ken Watanabe. I always like him. Grant his, he was very brief in here, but I, I liked, I mean, he didn't have a whole lot to do, but what he could do. I liked, I've always been a fan of fan of his, um, but you you hinted at it, and the people that have detracted on this online, I have not reviewed it. I was waiting to review it on the show. Um, it is a shame that the story to me did feel extremely derivative, so much so that I was bored. Um, the visuals were good, but other than that, it just felt like a mashup of like a Blade Runner type film, or you just or like in a way Terminator type films. Like there was just nothing nothing unique and there's kind of a supposed to be a twist or surprise, which was completely not a surprise and not a twist for me at all. Mm. (laughs) Um, and yes, some of the final moments of the film are kind of shrug inducing eye rolling to me. Um, which is unfortunate. Um, I would say I mentioned a rattled off monsters, Godzilla, Rogue One of all his films. This definitely ranks the lowest out of all the Mm. ones that he's made. Wow. Um, so, but I do, appreciate the fact that it was trying to be original. It's just so sad that it just ended up seeming so derivative to me. But, you know, if people really like sci-fi and maybe if you haven't geeked out to as many sci-fi movies, maybe you would like this better because it wouldn't seem, I I, I don't know. It wouldn't seem as derivative, Um, but it's not a bad movie. It just, there was potential there, especially with the actors and the visuals involved. There was potential there to be something 
much better. And unfortunately, just didn't quite hit the mark. Hmm. So I, 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 I just have a hard time with the derivative complaint that people have of it. Because, I mean, look, I, if I go back and watch Blade Runner, right? there were derivative moments from it from previous sci-fi films. If I watch Star Wars, it was derivative of well, sure. any of other stuff. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. And I feel like you take some of those ideas and you find ways to to adapt them to the story and make them your own. And I, I felt like that's what this film did. So, yeah, if I watch it, are the are the um, blaster battles look just like Star Wars? Yeah, sure, they do. But guess what? I like the blaster battles in Star Wars. So I like seeing them here as well. Uh, you know, the, the, the robots, uh, are they very similar to other AI or Android robots we've See, seen. Yeah, and, but I also feel and none like... Of that's my, none of that's yeah. my complaint. Okay. Absolutely, none of that's my complaint. Right. I wasn't even talking about gunfire battles. Or, no, I'm talking about the fact that AI being bad, okay, that's the Terminator, and we've had hundreds, like not hundreds, it feels like hundreds of movies about that, about robots that come back and try to wipe out humanity. Okay, we've, we've had that, we've done that. And this movie can investigate something like that, but make it somehow radically different and uh, and it just this just didn't do it for me and it's, like it it's a matter of opinion i'm just saying yeah not that yeah you're right star wars derivative of other movies that have come before and yeah. the mist of legends of everything being built up of that like yes but somehow for me so it's more the core concept was, of just being ai and a battle between humans and ai and robots or yeah whatever. and then just somehow not for me, that you know, for other people, yeah, I guess, I guess there was enough there that they felt like it was original. For me, it just, it never really offered me anything that seemed, seemed like it was building upon. Yeah, take building block. Everybody borrows some other films or anything. Yeah, I get that. It just seemed like once you had the building blocks in place yeah. of the general idea, you didn't really do anything with it. You just build a very generic sci-fi tale, which there again, I'm not saying it's a terrible movie. I'm just saying it just doesn't really stand out. So, okay. Well, we, we differ on that. I, I, I felt like actually the, the conceit, the concept and the use of AI. Yes. In the first half of the film, I, I felt like, yeah, okay, we've seen this story before. I do feel like it shifted to where it did start to make that dynamic more interesting. I'll just leave it at that. I, I mean, really it did much. a better use of AI than Dead Reckoning. I'll give it that. It's oh, not, yeah. That's not saying I mean, much. I think, it's been, I think it's a better <laughs> depiction of AI uh, in the future than most attempts we've seen. Right. And I think it did take, I mean, my feeling is in the story, it did take a different slant towards it as you got deeper in the film. Was it a surprise? Not necessarily. But it did take a different slant that I appreciated. And I actually liked the depiction of what we saw from the world of AI in the latter part of the film, which I thought was again, very interesting. So I have a thought, but mm -hmm. I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't seen the film. Okay. Um, I would like to talk about it with you and say that this is something that could have been done to build, but uh, well, we can save that for spoiler, I guess. Okay. Yeah, we could do that. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I did like this film quite a bit. It sounds like more, more than you. Um, let me call out a few more specific things here. Uh, Jim Chan as Maya, very, very small role, but I thought was good. That's the, the that's the saw. wife that I'm speaking mm -hmm. of. I spoke of. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Alice and Jenny, which I think was great as Colonel Howell. Um, Ken Watambi as Harun, I believe. And Sturgill Simpson, Sturgill Simpson as Drew. All really good. I, I think you know some of them had very very small parts, but I think the parts they played they were, they were great in those. Um, I never you know, the thing is I, I kind of go back to the production design just the look and feel of this film because again I, I I really just found myself really just engrossed in the film because I think I think the look is what brought me in. I was able to go with and stay with the story and the plot enough to keep it keep me engaged in it. But it was the visuals that, and, and the look and the world building, like you said, that really kind of brought me in at the beginning. So um, I don't know what else I want to say about this. I, 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 I had a good time with this. I think it's great. I, I, I think Gareth Edwards has a, a, he's got a good capability of creating a world that feels real and feels lived in. It feels practical. Hmm. 
while also exploring some really uh, interesting high high concept science fiction elements. So there were some use, and I, I hate that sounds so cliche with it. There was some use of quote gadgets or other little science fictiony devices that I thought were very clever, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool how they did that. There's a giant ship. Uh, what is it? The Nomad? Is that the yeah, name of the giant the ship? Nomad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just the way it moved and the way it would kind of scan, areas. scan the area and kind of giving you a, it's a very building of dread because like you don't know where that scan is going to end or you don't know where that that identifier that's showing where it's about to drop massive bombs on. Yeah. I mean, concepts like that, that's like, okay, that's really cool. It's practical. I do feel like that's, yes, that's probably how it would have could work in a future situation if that kind of technology existed, but it also served the story with building of suspension tension. And, and uh, so I just seems to be something he's really good with. He did the same thing with the Godzilla movie. I remember hmm. I know mean, there was some complaints that Godzilla wasn't in it that much. And it was a lot of humans talking, but he knew how to build up, to something that was really going to be interesting and, and, and thrilling to watch here. I felt we had the same kind of thing. And, uh, uh, we didn't mention the child, but, uh, Madeline, Yuna, I believe playing Alfie, who is the, uh, young child. If you've seen the trailer, you know, right. there's a child involved. We'll kind of be very nebulous about that child's role in the film, but just understand that the John David Washington character has a little bit of a quest kind of created for him that involves that child and getting that child to go somewhere. So we'll kind of leave it very broad like that. Um, Chris, you got any other thoughts on this? Uh, no, save the one, uh, save the, spoiler the one thing you yeah, the do. spoiler comment. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe what we could do just because I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I don't have as much to dig into beyond what we've talked about. Sure. I feel like we've kind of, Reviewed it Try the way we wanted to review sure. it. Absolutely. I'm very happy with it. <laughs> Chris was not as happy with it. Correct. Um, I think of the four films, honestly, I've never seen Monsters. So I don't oh, really? I, I never saw Gareth Edwards Monsters. So I can't uh, give any connection to that one. But I was, I was not always the biggest fan of Rogue One. I mean, I, I loved, loved it. I know you did. And I, I liked it. But I think I was in a weird Star Wars place at that time. And I've only seen it once. I probably need to go back and review it again. Um, but I do really like his Godzilla. So, I mean, the only thing bad I can say about Rogue One is it was possibly one of the first movies to do the whole face replacement on people where we got a young version of Princess oh, Leia. Like, I yeah. think it may have been one of the first movies to do that. Now, I absolutely hated that. But outside of that, I don't blame like, Gareth Edwards for that. Though. No, it's, it's I, I pressure from studios thing. and everything. Yeah. Now, yeah. yeah, sure. But I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of his Godzilla. I did appreciate Rogue One. And I think on a second viewing, I would probably appreciate it even much more. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with the creator. I think it's great. I think if you're looking for you know, something, a, a new science fiction film that does some great world building, is not based on anything previously, so you don't have to come in with any kind of preconceived pre uh, awareness or knowledge. It is a quote original story, although as Chris will contend, uh, it does borrow some elements and may be seen as derivative on story. Uh, but it is on the surface and quote an original film. I got to give it kudos for that. I mean, I love the fact that it is something original. The shame of it is, unfortunately, it's bombed at the box office, which. Mm-hmm is a shame to me because that just means that I don't think it's deserving of that. You know, it's not great, but it didn't. Yeah. It's at least it's original. Well, it's just showing. Unfortunately, I, I don't think there's still quite the studios have figured out how to either market or is it just that audiences are just not connecting with original content right now. And it's all still franchise based and IP based. And, and even then I think they're becoming a lot more selective too, but that's a whole nother, a whole nother topic for another day. All right. Well, that is the creator. Kind of a light review we gave. I don't really feel like we dug much into it, but do you want to flip over to spoilers? Yeah. Right. And that way, if you don't want to, if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want anything to spoil for you, just uh, skip forward a little bit until you hear us start to do the news segment and then you'll know you're in the clear. So, okay. All right. So we're just giving a few seconds here and then we'll just spoil some of the creator here. So okay, Chris, what ahead. I needed in the film mm-hmm. was something that I couldn't see coming from a mile away. 
the wife's disappearance and the way that was done, I was like, no, she's not who she says she is. I kind of felt like I knew she was the creator. Um, I thought the child was going to end up somehow being their child, but it's not technically because it's like their kid died or whatever. Um, so something that could have saved the film, because I kind of saw that coming a mile away as soon as that happened, um, because it's just coincidental that there's this young child and he had an unborn child. Like it just too coincidental. Okay. Now, granted, this is science fiction. I don't know how this would have worked, but something that could have made the made this truly original is that Gemma Chan, Maya in the film, was a completely AI entity all along. And yeah. because she was so real, Joshua, John David Washington, didn't realize this. And somehow they are able to have an actual child even though she is a machine and he is not, they're able to conceive a child and Alfie is literally their child. So somehow like somehow that has happened and he doesn't realize it until the end of the film that like, Oh wait, not only is this my kid, but my wife was a robot the entire time. Like that could have, and that totally would have like somehow been something new and original, like, Oh, it's AI and we think they're bad and they're trying to wipe us out and we hate them. And you know, all this like, and that would have somehow been something that would have been like next level. And I've been like, okay, thank you. That that's something like that. Hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, but that, so that's something I, that I, I don't could, want to spoil anything. That's why we did this. Yeah. Up, but like that would have helped elevate it a little I, bit. I could, I could see that being, an interesting view. I actually thought at one point maybe that's where they were going to go. Hmm. Um, yeah, no, the, the 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 mystery of Maya, yeah, was not. I, I think it was a little clunkily handled, and that it either could have been a truly true surprise when she appears at the end, if like you really have been just led to believe that she is dead, 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 and there's right. no hinting that she's not dead. <laughs> right. Um, they hinted enough times that she's not dead. To where when you did actually find her, and she was technically, for all intents and purposes, dead when they found her. I mean, yeah, there was right. no life to her. <laughs> um, that's where I felt it was clunky. I felt like the, the, that whole wrap-up, the whole resolution could have been much more elegant than it was. Um, not to say I needed like some big emotional sure. reunion thing, but just it, just it just didn't land. Okay, yeah. I, I'll tell you for me the part where I will say the film – did lose me some is at the very end is, is the kind of the, you know, when you're building to this point, uh, there's a giant uh, climactic action sequence and there's a timer on a bomb involved and it's just, you know, you kind of know what's going to happen. You know that the child's going to be saved because that's, that's what's going to happen. Right. You kind of get the impression that John David Washington character, Joshua is going to sacrifice himself but they still somehow found time with like a minute left in a bomb for him to make his way down to that big garden where Maya is. <laughs> Maya has been resurrected. She didn't resurrect for the child, but she just happened to be resurrected in time to see him. It, that's where I'm yes. like, okay, that that's, yes. you've kind of, you kind of lost me a little bit there that the ending was not, not very elegant. And, uh, I was expecting a rogue one ending where it was going to be mm-hmm. just super like, yeah, Everybody died. <laughs> it's like, that's what I was expecting. And right. I thought, you know, even the kid's going to die. It's like, everybody's just going to die. And, but they did it in destroying the big ship. And that's yeah. all that matter. Sure. They tried to squeeze in a little more happy ending ish to it. And it just, it felt very forced. And I, I just think the whole last 15 minutes was felt very chaotic and very, we need to move this person here. We got to move this person here. This person has to have this happen and this happen. And it's just too much machinations. Instead of just letting a more natural ending happen. So I will say I was disappointed with the way it wrapped up. But up until that point, I was totally digging it. So, and I still ultimately really did like the movie at the end of the day. So sure. Yeah. No, I think I think your your take could have been interesting, yes. I think there's a lot of different ways they could have made this more interesting. I just appreciate since we're in spoilering, I can go in. Yeah. I just will say I appreciated the fact that even though we I kind of could have expected it to learn about halfway through that. Okay. You know, first half of the movie, we're being heard from the American government and all that. Okay. AI turned bad. They wiped out millions of people. There's a giant crater out in the, you know, this place where they killed all these people. Right. So now there are enemies. I like the concept that like, Hey, we eradicated it, 
but it's just over in Asia that they're still keeping AI and we're worried about that. So we need to do something about that. And uh, then to come to find out, unfortunately, through some clunky exposition, <laughs> which there were way too many times of somebody saying, like, at their deathbed, uh, here's what's happening. Here's what's going on. Okay, yeah. that was that's kind of lazy. So that, that bothered me a little bit. But this idea that, no, no, the AI, actually, that whole bomb was because of human programming error. And I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm like, that's where I'm like, oh, okay. So AI is good. <laughs> Humans are bad. We basically are turning this into Avatar, a much better version of Avatar, which is good for me. So, I mean, really, it became Avatar after after that point. Because this it's is all, better than Avatar, yes. Yes, it's the, it's the human's... Are uh, chasing down the AI versions because they are threatened by them and they want to eradicate them. And you know, and then you've got one guy. So what who's you're saying a is it's a little derivative of Avatar. It is no look, hey, <laughs> yeah, a lot of sci-fi is derivative. Absolutely. So sure. you know, I, I, it is what it is. But this is a much better version of Avatar, story-wise. But it does turn into Avatar by the second half. So anyway, okay, I think we've spoiled enough on that. Okay, we're good. Yes. All right. So we're back. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Chris and I have a news item and a recommendation to share with you, so stay tuned. We'll be right back with Foot Candle Films. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Alan and Chris here. We had our short, but I guess effective review of the creator. I think we're both just kind of like, yeah, we, I really liked it. Chris was a little let down, but we felt like we, we said what we had to say about it. So why do I just not feel satisfied with that? I don't know. I think we wanted a little something more to dig into. And with the promise of being a, an original film not a franchise that looked great in the previews we we expected more to dig into i think that's okay. that's it well maybe so. that was it all right well let's jump right into let's talk about some news items well sure. really just one main news item i wanted to bring up so chris um we like to talk about projects that are on the horizon coming our way and, and, and try to find some some interesting things that are happening in the film business and i'm always drawn to projects that are involving actors from decades past that had their heyday, they were really, really big at the time, and then they've just kind of fallen off a little bit of the radar. And then you hear about a new project where they're trying to trying to come back out to the to the to the movie world. Uh, you know, I mentioned Meg Ryan a few weeks ago. I showed you the trailer yes. for the film that, which I thought that's a good example of one. Meg Ryan, I mean, she was she was huge in like late eighties, mm-hmm. very early nineties. Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. You've got Mayo, Harry met Sally. And then just kind of dropped off. Sure. And now trying to make a little bit of a resurgence, actually directing a film. So kind of curious about that. Another person that kind of falls in that category for me, and probably even more so for a lot of reasons is Kevin Costner. Hmm. Okay. Kevin Costner, early to mid nineties. I mean, he's big. That was the guy. Okay. Yeah. He was my favorite actor at the time. Like mid nineties, Dances with Wolves came. Then along out. came Waterworld, and you just—I <laughs> forgave him for Waterworld. I actually didn't think Waterworld was that bad. Um, but Dances with Wolves, I remember that was a pretty impactful movie for me because I, whatever time I think that was when I was really kind of getting into movies and thinking about movies a lot more, and it was just you know such a big epic film for me. Yeah, does it have issues now that I've seen it a few times since then? Yeah, it's not as perfect as I kind of imagined it to be back in whenever it came out. But still, Kevin Costner was the man. And the fact that he was an actor and a director, and he directed mm-hmm. this Oscar-winning film. And you know, and then you had Bull Durham, and you had, um, gosh, what else? Um, it was Bull Durham, Dances with Wolves. I mean, The Untouchables was one of the first ones he did. Sure. Um, so many great films that he was a part of. Then he started to kind of get into a lot of smaller B-movie projects or ones that just didn't make any money and you just didn't really hear from him that much. Uh, I think after directing The Postman, that was a film he did, that might have kind of sent him downward because that movie just tanked and nobody liked it. Um, 
So he was involved with some other projects. He's made a little bit of a resurgence to on TV. television. Right, right. Yeah, he's on this show Yellowstone. And so Yellowstone's become a big hit. I've never seen an episode of it. Have you? I have not. Okay. Uh, so Yellowstone's been a big hit. I think he's been out for several seasons now. But it was announced. Or I guess it's been announced for a while, but they kind of put out a little bit of a, a quick little teaser. And the idea that, okay, Kevin Costner has a two-part Western epic movie coming out 2024. Hmm. And it's going to be He's directing it. He is directing and starring in it. Okay. It's called Horizon, an American saga. It is going to theaters. Okay. Which I thought was interesting. Uh, Chapter one is going to be released in June. Chapter two in August. Hmm. It's being released by Warner Brothers and New Line. Um, so the idea is that, did he write this as well? I believe so. Okay. Initially, the concept for this, this, this film project was that it was going to be four different movies released every three months. Oh, but then all they've really kind of clarified right now is that there's going to be two of them and Hmm. he is directing, he is starring in it. It also has Sienna Miller, Sam Worthington and Luke Wilson all in the films as well. And supposedly they span 15 years in the settlement of America's Western frontier. They focus on the settlers and indigenous groups that first occupied the land. So, um, dances with wolves category, kind of getting back into it. You know, Kevin Costner has had a history with Westerns or at least from that time period. Silverado was one of his very, very first movies and it was Western dances with wolves. Obviously he did a Wyatt Earp movie uh, that Lawrence Kasdan directed, he did The Postman, which is kind of a post-apocalyptic, westernish type of film. Right. Open Range was actually the last movie he directed, Kevin Costner did, which was a western. And yeah, as you I could, had not, not many people it. had seen it. No. So that was actually the, the third and last film he's directed up to this okay. point. And then the TV show, Yellowstone. So I'm curious. I mean, the teaser they put out is really, I mean, it's not even worth really showing. It's like <laughs> just title card saying the date and like one shot of Kevin Costner on a horse whipping around with a gun and that was it. <laughs> okay. So I was wondering why we didn't sh- like show a little no, bit. No, it's, it's, it's worth not it. worth breaking for. I mean, okay. it really is a teaser in the most teaserous possible way. Okay. But I got to tell you, I'm i uh, I'm, I'm super intrigued. You know, Kevin Costner had a short, a, a small role in uh Molly's game. Oh, do you remember that? I do. And he was yeah. so good in that. Right. I remember he that. The dad. Yeah. Right. He played yeah. Molly's dad and mm-hmm. so good in that role. And I remember watching that and saying, all right, I want him to come back. I, I want, him, want back. him in back in big movies. Maybe this will be it. I don't know. We'll have to see. It's it's pretty impressive to me that. I mean, I guess it. I guess it makes sense a little bit that they dialed it back from four to two, but it, it makes it makes it's odd to me that he's not just doing a new movie. Oh no, it's like a very ambitious two parter, which apparently maybe was originally going to be a four parter. That just seems really. I think it's surprising to me. I think they could still be wanting to do a four parter, but I think there's probably some, you know what? Let's release the first two and just see how that do before we commit. So kind of like what they did with George Lucas when he pitched star Wars, like, tell you what, buddy, we're not going to give you six films. We'll give you three. Yeah. Here's three. Knock yourself out. We'll see if we do another three or not. I mean, I Westerns are one of those things that it's kind of like, I mean, I guess it is a period piece, but it's a specific type of period piece. Not really my bag. Yeah. Um, I have seen, you know, some and stuff, but it's just not something I'm going to go out for. If I hear this is really good, then yeah, I'll jump on board and go see it in the theater because seeing a truly original Western that maybe, maybe has a little bit of historical accuracy in the mm-hmm. theater. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, Cause I like thinking like I learned something when I yeah. leave a movie theater. Um, but yeah, for me, it's definitely kind of a, a wait and see type thing. But I think, like you say, I do think Kevin Costner is a good actor. So it would be nice to see him come back. Yeah. I would really like to see him come back. You know, that was always my thing with, um, remember with Eddie Murphy, I mm-hmm. felt the same way about, and we have had a little bit of a resurgence with him with some films he did in the last, uh, just the last few years. And he did some more interesting films. Dolomite, you know, they call me Dolomite was good. There was a couple more he did. I thought were, were actually okay movies. I never saw dream girls, but I heard that. Oh yeah. That was kind of was his, good. that was a little bit of his, I won't say come back, but that was like a little bit of his, 
building him back up as gotcha. being in movies, but um, he still hasn't quite he still hasn't quite gotten back into it. Like I kind of hoped he would. Sure. So Kevin Costner is also in that bank of people for me. So I'm I'm excited to see it. Hopeful it's good. Hopeful it takes off. Hopeful it kind of reestablishes him. I could just see him definitely later in his life being a, a, a really interesting actor, putting on some interesting projects. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But of course, the fact that I've never watched him in Yellowstone <laughs> also kind of indicts me a little bit and saying maybe I'm not the biggest Kevin Costner supporter as I used to think I was. But um, anyway, we will see what happens with Frontier. Oh, I'm sorry, not Frontier. Horizon. Horizon. Colon. An American Saga. Nice. Coming out, first installment, June 28th, 2024. And it's surprising to me that it's not released on like a streaming service if they already know it's going to be installments because that would be less risky. So, but bravo, movies coming back to theaters, this, you know, Kevin Costner making a return to the big screen. Okay, cool. But kind of surprising that that's been greenlit, but we'll see. Yeah, it is. But I mean, I think they're trying to follow the whole trend of, you know, everybody's doing part one, part two, you know, type of thing. I like the fact that at least if they're doing a part one, part two, right now they're planning on them only being three months apart, which I'm like, that's good. Yeah. Because I do think these one year apart, (laughs) part ones, part twos is, is, is a long wait on things. I will say though, uh, back to our comment on AI in the previous uh, inst- uh, review. Yes, it will be opening when it opens up in June twenty eighth. Currently, is uh, set to open against Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning <laughs> Part Two. Which, uh, um, right. I think the AI is going to win on that one. So <laughs> I just, I think, I think, uh, I think Mr. Cruise is going to probably prevail that weekend. Probably so. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, that is that is the news I wanted to cover. But Chris, I, I'm anxious to hear you have a recommendation of a film you think we ought to check out, maybe consider. Um, I'm anxious to hear because again, I'm looking to build back up my watch list. Okay, I'm ready to watch some more movies. So tell me, tell me one I ought to check out. So you will be able to check this out if you have a subscription to Hulu. Um, it is No One Will Save You, and it's directed by Brian Duffield. And I'll give you a short little plot synopsis here. A young woman who's played by Caitlin Deaver. She was in like Booksmart. People may know her from that. Mm. But uh, she's been alienated from her community and finds herself in a face-off against a host of extraterrestrial beings who threaten her future while forcing her to deal with her past. Basically, it's an alien home invasion movie instead of just a home invasion movie because she has a house and like, you know, people are trying to break in. It's not just anybody. It's aliens. Um, And what, so if you have heard, you may have heard a little bit of buzz about this movie. Um, basically it doesn't have any dialogue. It's because a lot of it's, she's not going to be talking to aliens because they're aliens. Um, so I mean, it does have maybe one or two lines of dialogue, but a lot of it's her just running around trying to escape these aliens. Um, and I will say there again, I'm not going to spoil anything because we're not actually doing a review, but I liked the movie. Okay. It does get a little tropey and like, you know, kind of my complaints against the creator, the building blocks were there, but I was kind of like, okay, but I think I indicated, actually, we didn't review this movie, Theater Camp. Um, The last 20 minutes of that film really saved the film for me. The same way, this wasn't even 20 minutes. This is kind of where the film ends up in the last 5, 10 minutes or whatever, 10, 15 minutes. But it, it totally redeems the film and is completely something original that I did not see coming. And I ended up liking it. Um... She basically is a strange, like I kind of mentioned, she's estranged from her community and it's all about her feeling isolated and then have this happen and no one is willing to help her with whatever, like, you know, she kind of tries to go into town and get help and people are just like, yeah, you're an idiot or like just, it's really interesting this like outsider perspective um, of something like that. You could say that it does steal a little bit from things like, um, a quiet place maybe with how the aliens, but cause that was kind of a home invasion too, but this is different and man where it ends up really a surprise. Um, so that is no one will save you. It's PG 13. Um, and it's on, uh, on Hulu. So I think it's PG 13. So is it truly no dialogue or I mean, like, I mean, I think she maybe says something like, is anyone there or who's it? But like maybe says that once, but other than that, it's just her like screaming and breathing heavy and <laughs> no. So it's not, she does not have like a dialogue scene with other characters. No, wow. absolutely not. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's, and it's, so it's unique for that. Um, 
But then, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. But like I said, what really sold me was kind of where the movie ended up. Okay. Um, well, you got me intrigued now. Yeah. Uh, some people have been questioned or have questioned why this movie wasn't released on the big screen because mm-hmm. um, it was kind of like a Disney choice because Disney had something, I guess they worked out a deal with Hulu where they released stuff on there, but it's not really Disney brand because it is kind of, you know, scary. Yeah. Um, but if they had released it, they think it would have stood to made some pretty decent money in the theater. Well, that's the thing is that, you know, horror movies, especially, I'm not, I'm not saying this one's necessarily a low budget. I don't know what the budget is on this, but I'm assuming it's a lower, lower budget film. I mean, you'd be, you'd be correct. Yeah. I think some of the, some of the alien stuff I thought was okay, but you could say it was a little, but I mean, weak. low budget horror, like totally kills at the box office a True. lot of times. So I don't, yeah, it's no pun intended there. Yeah, kills, right. right. But I don't. I'm, I'm. I guess I'm confused why White went to Hulu. Sure. Supposedly it. Yeah, I think maybe it did play in a theater. Okay. I don't know, but it it, it immediately went to Hulu or was on Hulu. For maybe it was one. at a festival. And Possibly had a premiere yeah. there and then went straight to stream. I will say again, just just looking this film up. Uh, if this gives any uh, echo to Chris's recommendation, so Stephen King. Gave it his highest praise on his Twitter account. And uh, someone else who's come out for it, um, I think, I think maybe Guillermo del Toro has also oh, yeah. okay. talked about how two he pretty it. good people to listen to about the quality of horror films or, you know, in good, good, scary films. Sure. Uh, so Chris's recommendation, which I'm now on board to see, probably <laughs> will be seeing this weekend. No one will save you. It is on Hulu. So you do have to have a Hulu subscription. It came out September 22nd, so it's available for everybody to see now. Um, Chris is recommending it, and I am looking forward to seeing it. So the event, like if you saw the creator and maybe were a little let down like me, see No One Will Save You. It's on Hulu. Or if you're looking for kind of a new horror movie or whatever scary movie to watch during October since we're in the scary movie season, yeah, then this this can fill that bill. So, so you think it's a good like – it's a good Halloween, like a Halloween. Yeah, I mean season. it's not a slash or anything no, no, like that, could, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but it's something fun to watch in the sure. the, the scary season. Scary so, season, good, awesome. All right, well, that is our show for today. So we had our tepid review of the creator. I still really liked it. Chris was disappointed, but let down. Didn't admire it as much. We talked about Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. And how much I like Kevin Costner, how much I want Kevin Costner to make a comeback, and hopefully his what was the name of the game? Horizon. Horizon. Which that's weird. That's that's not a good title for it. <laughs> Frontier. And that's not even the They full, should have called it Frontier. That's not even the full title, right? No, it's, it's an Horizon American yeah. an American saga Yeesh. or something like that. Frontier would have been better. Frontier. I, I agree. Horizon has a little little sci-fi feel to it. So. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Anyway, Horizon, an American tale, comes out next year in two parts with Kevin Costner. And then Chris gave the recommendation of a Hulu-exclusive movie that is worth seeing called No One Will Save You. And so that is our show. So, Chris, we did have our Foot Candle Film Festival. Just, just do a quick little mention of that. Yes. Our ninth annual one completed a little over a week ago. We had a excellent... Uh, Excellent time. I think uh, people had a good time. I think we showed some really great films. Um, people were excited in general with the uh, the festival as a whole. Any takeaways from you, Chris? I mean, I know we had obviously some people who won awards. Well, yeah, I feel like we should probably run down the awards winners. Let's do um, that. Just because, why not? Um, King Cole won Best Documentary Feature, and I'm going to quote one Mr. Alan Jackson mm-hmm. as he says that it was one of the, he thinks, one of the best document, shot documentaries that he's ever seen. Yes, and um, I still stand by that. <laughs> I had nothing to do with the judging and the voting, <laughs> nope, uh, just to true. be clear, but I, I, I echo our judges' uh, selection of that King Cole for Best Documentary Feature Film, directed by Elaine Sheldon. Um, very, very good film. Yeah, yeah so... Um, for audience favorite documentary feature, we had um, a kind of a music documentary of sorts called Dusty and Stones, mm-hmm. and it told the story of two uh, guys from Africa that form they want to do country music and kind of how their their struggle to kind of you know persevere as country musicians. So that was good, very you know kind of a heartwarming story, I guess you'd say. So um, that was also an award winner. Um, Alan, uh, you want to do the narrative? Features? Yeah, so our, our best narrative feature film, as determined by our judges, was the film Trap Balloon, 
directed by Hiroyuki uh, Miyagawa and from Japan. And uh, that film, uh, you know, it was one of those that we had programmed and it played during the day. So always, uh, always one that I know more people did not get to see because of its programming time, but always asked to see more of when they hear it's a winner. And this was, this was a good one. I think this is a director we feel like has got a lot of potential and could be going some places. So we're going to keep an eye on to see what he works on next. Uh, on the audience side though, favorite narrative feature film was a film called B side for Taylor directed by Christina YR Lim uh, here in the United States, but has to do with a uh, adoptee who's trying to find her birth family in Korea and her uh, dealing with her adopted family in doing so. And uh, very good audience loved it. Great feedback there. Both films, both of those two films, I think uh, audience really connected with. So some good winners there for us. Then we had some short films that yes. won some awards too, right? Absolutely. Um, the documentary short, best documentary short, and it also won for our audience favorite documentary short was Becoming Yamazushi. And it's uh, a restaurant in Durham, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of Yamazushi was the name of the restaurant. And it talks about the family kind of starting that. And they were immigrants and some of the struggles they had. And it's just really, uh, I thought that was really well shot and just kind of an interesting story. And, um, yeah, so some of these may eventually be available online or whatever. So check them out if you see, come across them, but it was, it was good. And it was also the director, which I'm blank, George, actually George Yama. Yamazawa. Zawa. Thank you. Um, it was one of his, I think maybe his first documentary short. So first film. So that was kind of cool that he won both awards there. Yeah. And we had our best narrative short film, which was a film called The Breakthrough, directed by Daniel Sinclair. Uh, that one played in our night gallery. It was uh, got a great response from our audience, and uh, uh, that did win best narrative short film. But the audience favorite short film was actually a one-minute film uh, called First Memory yes. that played during our uh, Friday night short film showcase, directed by Chip Hackler from here in North Carolina. And uh, that one, just again, one minute long. <laughs> Super effective, though. It worked, and people loved it. So Yeah. We had a couple other winners, too, just to kind of throw out and mention about uh, with our Youth International Film Showcase. We did have a Best Youth International short film called My Little Caregiver, directed by Sam Solomon and Goldman Fong uh, from the United States. And the audience favorite Youth International short film was a film called, an animated film called The Most Boring Granny in the Whole World, <laughs> directed by Damaris Zelke from Germany. Uh, and then we had our film lab got to mention too, as well. Our film right. lab was our, our filmmaking competition that went on the weekend before our festival took place where we had six teams competing to make a f- between five and 10 minute film, uh, over a weekend period of time, uh, with given some restrictions and limitations and prompts and genres, uh, upon their kickoff on Friday night and then had until Sunday evening to give us a completed film. So we got six completed films there. And Chris, uh, who was the winner on this one? Uh, this one was Lullaby of the Lost. So, which we were happy to, you know, be able to have the competition, have so many teams enter. And then, you know, it was, they were able to be at the award ceremony and they were, they were happy to yeah. get the awards. And the teams was JS Productions, uh, kind of out of uh, Julie Church, director and her team. And they're out of the Morganton area here in uh, Western North Carolina. So, very excited to have so many teams competing and having fun that weekend putting a film together. So, um, yes, that was the Foot Candle Film Festival. It's a great weekend, great week. We also had a wonderful concert outside with uh, uh, the, local, the boys. local boys, Bluegrass Band, followed by an outdoor screening of Oh Brother, Where Out Thou. Uh, something I think we plan to keep going in the yeah, future. Yeah, both, both those events, the film lab and the outdoor screening with the band, the Turned out well. They were fun. We, we hope to include them in the festival next year. Yeah. So. so congratulations to all the films, all the films we showed, all 48 films we played over the course of the week. Thank you and congratulations to those winners that won the awards at the end of the week. We will look forward to our next festival coming up next September. Right. I mean, you know, if you hear all this and you're like, gosh, I really missed out. They always yeah. talk about it incessantly. Next year I want to go. Well, 
September 20th through the 28th. Go ahead and mark your calendars now. You really have no excuse because no, I don't know anybody getting... who makes plans more than a year in advance. <laughs> right. So look, put it on your calendar. You right. really, that way you just can't back out of it. Right. You can't overschedule something or double book something. I mean, you, it's just, you, you may know. have a son or daughter that's planning on getting married and you'd be like, look, make it in October yeah. or early September. Look, Octobers <laughs> are much better for weddings, I think, than September. Sure. Um, so September will leave that last week or so clear for us. We'd appreciate that. All right. We're done with the episode, Chris. If anybody has any feedback for us on anything regarding the creator, maybe they want to add to our review to give us more to chew on with it. They can do that. Uh, Or anything thoughts on Kevin Costner or anybody who's seen uh, your recommendation film or just wants to recommend something new, anything at all. How do they get a hold of us? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. You can follow us on the website formerly known as Twitter at footcandlefilm. Facebook, Foot Candle Film Society, Instagram and Threads, we're Foot Candle Film. Um, we're also on Letterboxd, Alan and I are, so we try to track what we're seeing and leave quick takes. Give us, do us a favor. Uh, if you like the podcast, give us a star rating or write a review, share with friends or whatever service you get your podcasts on. It'll help us reach new listeners. We always would appreciate that. Okay. Oh, that was it. Okay. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Sorry, that was your ending. Okay. Normally, I, I give the festival dates, but I'd already done right. that. Right. So, yes, I guess that's what I was used to. I'm just waiting <laughs> for you to go and roll into that. But yeah, we don't sure. need to do that. So, all right. Well, that will do it for Foot Candle Films today. Thanks for listening, and we will look forward to talking to you next time. Take care. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.